can we identify enabling behavior? Do enablers have to have good intentions? What psychological phenomena give rise to enablers? Do enablers seek out someone to enable, or is it the other way around? Is calling out enablers the best way to stop their bad influence? The psychology and ethics of enabling coming up. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David, what are we talking about today? I think we're going to talk about enabling. Oh, okay. What did you have in mind? So, I think I think we can break this down into a few different uh, subcategories. Um, first of all, like what it what it means to be an enabler, um, and then ways in which people are sometimes inadvertently enabling people, and then we might be able to get into some ethics of enabling whether whether it is actually uh, a moral transgression to be an enabler. Okay. Um, I think it's a good approach because I think enabling is one of those things where it, well, there's two aspects of the concept, I think, or that how it gets applied. I, I think a lot of people would say that they know it when they see it, maybe. They can say that about enabling. But I also think people get accused of being enablers a lot when that may, in fact, not be the case. Mm. You know, it's you're just coming at it, you know, out of nowhere. The, that was, that's my first thoughts. Um, should we look at what the definitions of enabling is to see what maybe that would yield us from Wiktionary and Wikipedia? Maybe. I, I can attempt to give a, like, a colloquial understanding while you pull that up. Sure. Um, Cause I'm prepared. I haven't pulled it, up before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say that it, enabling is being... Having a relationship with somebody in which you provide the necessary circumstances for them to perpetuate a problem that they have. Okay. So, like, if you if you know that somebody is uh, unwise with their money, maybe they like playing the lottery or something like that, and you either you can either enable them by way of encouragement uh, for their bad behavior or like with supplementary money you can just give them money to waste right so they still get the thrill of the gamble but even if they're not doing it with their money i think right and i think that might be one of the cases a lot of people think of when they think of enabling um only not with gambling with drug use people will say like oh well x is a gateway drug but what they're talking about is uh, and there's the meme of the drug dealer being you know First one's free. Yeah. And what, what that's doing is I'm going to let you experience the high for free now and enable you to the activity in general of drug use so that once you are used to it and you want it, I can pull back my enabling of just encouraging it outright and giving it to you and start to profit off of it instead. That's kind of, I think, right. the dynamic that a lot of people... Although that's not of. really enabling. It, maybe not. That's more like... I, I think that's more like enticing somebody or... well. It, or, setting up an advantage because yeah what what that uh proverbial uh, uh malicious drug dealer is doing is saying I'll, I'll let you experience this thing that i know you're going to want to experience again because this causes chemical addiction and now now that you're chemically addicted you don't know anyone else to go to but me to get your fix so now i can take your money perhaps um, I have the definition pulled up. Let's let's refer to that. Sure. Um, so the Wiktionary definition is pretty useless. <laughs> it's literally um, causing to become able or an, something. An actor instance of something being enabled. Cool. So, 
neat. Um, but the Wikipedia entry uh, is, I think, a little more. Uh, yeah, this is a bit of contextual definition. Uh, contextual definition as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm gonna read. It's a single sentence opener, but it splits it into positive and negative. So sure. we'll, we'll we'll do those three, and then we'll move from there. I think. Um, in psychotherapy and mental health, enabling has a positive sense of empowering individuals or a negative sense of dis- of encouraging dysfunctional behavior. So the positive term enabling is similar to empowerment and describes patterns of interaction which allow individuals to develop and grow. These patterns may be on any scale, for example, within the family or within the wider society as enabling acts, that was in quotes, uh, designed to empower some group or create a new authority for a usually governmental body. The negative, and I think that's kind of where we started, was looking at it from the negative sense. Um, Yes. In a negative sense, enabling can be described uh, can describe dysfunctional behavior approaches that are intended to help resolve a specific problem but in fact may perpetrate or exacerbate per- perpetuate or perpetuate sorry uh, or exacerbate the problem a common theme of enabling in this latter sense is that a third party that third parties take responsibility or blame or make accommodations for a person's harmful conduct often with the best intentions or from fear or insecurity, which inhibits action. This is exacerbated by the lack of laws protecting women, usually the major victims from domestic violence in 49 countries, a situation... This is a really specific example. Yeah. A situation, the Sustainable Development Goal 5 aims to rectify... That, that I feel like, is not a red herring, but it's like, why is that there? That's not That shouldn't be in the... Yeah. Um, anyway... Anyway, yes. So, so uh, since, here, since we brought up... The, the last sentence actually does work, okay. though. The practical effect is that the person himself or herself does not have to do so and is shielded from awareness of the harm it may do anyway and the need to or pressure to change. Yes. So that... Yeah, there you go. So, um, on, on, on this... Uh, or in this context, uh, since we've already brought up uh, addicts, I'll go ahead and jump right into the uh, the first the first thing, which is a, a bit of a uh, uh, description of cases and uh, of this negative case and a few forms of enabling that form in this situation. So this is this comes from a book by uh, Eric Byrne called "Games People Play," which I've mentioned on the show before. Um, and so this is one of, one of the first games that is mentioned in the book is alcoholic, um, and the. This does not necessarily have to occur with real alcoholics or addicts. Uh, th- this game can emerge in other places as well, but this is the like classical case and uh, one in which most people have uh, actual experience. So, um, the so alcoholic uh, is a uh, well, it's described as a five-handed game. Uh, which means there are five distinct roles. Uh, not all the roles are required to be present, or multiple roles can be uh, uh, exemplified by, or, or can be uh, taken on by a single individual. Um, but essentially, uh, what what the the ones that are important to us, there's of course the alcoholic, obviously around whom the game centers. So this is, uh, centers. So this is the person who um, has some uh, uh, dysfunctional behavior. Um, then there's the uh, supporting role. And now some might not see this as a supporting role, but it is. This is the uh, required for the game to be perpetuated. The persecutor. 
um, which is normally, if we think about the classic case of an alcoholic, we think of we we think of a male alcoholic and his wife as the persecutor, um, who who tells him how bad he is for for drinking. The um, the third role uh, is rescuer, um, and this is normally like a friend of the alcoholic who is trying to get them to give up their their bad habit in a more constructive way, um, or it could also be a doctor. Um, then uh, the uh, the fourth role. This is a. This is a. This is, this was sort of mentioned uh, uh, a moment ago, but uh, now we give it. We'll give it a formal name: the uh, the patsy or the dummy. Um, and this is someone who. This is essentially the 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 blame passing uh, person. So they'll they'll try to pin it on the alcoholic's situation rather than actually blaming the alcoholic for their own bad behavior. Mm. Um, and so in the the way the book describes this is this is classically played by the alcoholic's mother or, or someone like that. Um, and then, uh, finally there's the enabler proper, the bartender, um, the actual person who's physically who causes this situation to, to be possible. Right. Um, but, but interestingly in, in the course of this game, the bartender is actually the, the least of, of one's worries when we're talking about actually trying to get someone to stop a serious drinking problem. Right. Um, but, uh, but that, that's interesting to, uh, to consider. So I, I won't go through all the different details of, uh, of the game. Uh, if you, if you want to do that, there's plenty written online about it, or you can just get the book. Um, but it's, it's interesting how, um, how a, a couple, uh, the, the people who think that they are helping, often end up inadvertently hurting the person if, if indeed their, their uh, behavior is, is undesirable. So I, I already mentioned the, uh, the Patsy who will, will cast the blame where it doesn't belong in order to excuse the alcoholic's behavior. Um, but also even the rescuer who everyone would look at and say, ah, this is the real hero in this situation. They're trying to help this person um, can actually uh, can actually end up doing more, more harm than good. The problem with this is that uh, Rescuer, although it seems noble, is still a role in the game. And so by taking on the role of Rescuer, you are perpetuating the game. Uh, so uh, uh, an, an excerpt about this is, uh, is this is one of the ways in which the role of Rescuer uh, can, people tr taking on the role of Rescuer can make the situation go awry. Um, I'll, I'll read an excerpt here. So there's a um, there are several organizations that are involved in alcoholic the game, um, and uh, and they actually even uh, many of them publish rules for the game and they they uh, explain how the different roles work, um, and so one example of this that these organizations is Alcoholics Anonymous, whom everyone has heard of before. Um, they uh, so AA continues playing the actual game but concentrates on uh, inducing the alcoholic to take the role of rescuer. Former alcoholics are preferred because they know how the game goes and hence are better qualified to play the supporting role than people who have never played before. Cases have been reported that a chapter of AA running out of alcohol uh, of a chapter of AA running out of alcoholics to work on whereupon the members resumed drinking since there was no other way to continue the game in the absence of people to rescue. Hmm. This is this is the, the the danger of games is that you want to, once you get sucked in you 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 want to keep playing. Um and then uh, 
for further, if we're talking about how to actually get the, the alcoholic to stop playing the game, um, the, the psychological cure of an alcoholic uh, lies in uh, getting him to stop playing the game altogether rather than simply change from one role to another. In some cases, this is feasible, although it is a difficult task to find something else as interesting to the alcoholic as continuing his game, since he's... Uh, now, okay, this is where we get into Eric Burns' uh, uh, psychoanalysis. Uh, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll say take this with a grain of salt, because uh, the, the book is a little bit uh, uh, outdated, but I'll, I'll read it as is. Uh, since he's classically afraid of intimacy, the substitute may have another uh, may have to be another game rather than a game-free relationship. Often, so-called cured alcoholics are not very stimulating company socially, and possibly they feel a lack of excitement in their lives and are continually tempted to get back into their old ways. The criterion of game cure is that the former alcoholic should be able to drink socially without putting himself in jeopardy. The usual total abstinence cure will not satisfy the game analyst. Yeah, and... Uh... I think it's interesting because it does bring up a an interesting book about alcoholism that I've, I've read before as well um, that I didn't realize it for what it was at the time, but it, it's exactly what you're describing. Uh, the book I'm referencing is The Easy Way to Stop Drinking, which it, on, on the surface of it sounds like the most clickbait title ever. But the way this book is constructed is it doesn't offer you a panacea. It doesn't offer you – because that's another – push. I'm going to put another thing on the stack here. <laughs> um, a lot of people – there's this meme of people stop being addicted to alcohol because they get instead get addicted to AA. Like that's the meme. Uh, I think family guy did a bit about it. There's, there's a pop culture, this meme of AA is just a substituting the addiction with something else. And they do um, sometimes with religion, sometimes with AA. Right. And the real, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But um, the, 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 the underlying claim that's being made here in games people play is that the, the reason the alcoholic continues to drink is not necessarily because they're chemically addicted to alcohol. It's because they're psychologically addicted to the game that they're playing with others. Right. It's all about their relationship with other people, not just that they want the drug. Right. They wouldn't be satisfied if all they did was drink alone. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that this book, and this uh, Alan Carr is the author of this book, and he has other books like The Easy Way to Stop. And, he, and their book's covering specific behaviors, but the approach he takes is essentially there's no direction for what you should do there's no do this do that none of that all it is is reasons it's like because it, it is in, instead of tackling the playing the game of you know well do this instead or you need to trick yourself into whatever it just attacks the reasons people claim to drink and he it's just a essentially just a chapter by chapter list of why the excuses they're given are bad excuses and explains them in such a way that if, and, and he even claims if you really want to stop drinking and you keep using these excuses to allow yourself to keep doing it, then you don't want to stop. Then you don't want to stop. That's then that's what the book is about. It's not about replacing drinking with something else. It's I'm just going to convince you that here are all the reasons that you should stop. And they're pretty, and, and none of these are arguments that are easily refutable either. He just backs them all up and just leaves them there. So all it is is a way for you to combat the excuses you would give yourself or any of these other people. Right. Either own the fact that you want to drink or stop, or drinking. stop because you actually want to. Exactly. It doesn't introduce a game and it doesn't involve anyone else. Like a lot of a lot of the traditional, I think, way we talk about changing any bad behavior, but in alcoholism in this case, we talk about the support group a lot. Like they're like, oh, you need to have a support group that helps you. But that's that's a role in the game. That's a role in the game. It's introducing you to the games. Like, go find you some players to play the game with, you know? And 
this just disregards all of that. It pretty much just says, hey, um, there, like, for example, there is not a single reason in this book that involves another person. Don't stop drinking because, oh, ex loved one or this whatever. They're all selfish reasons to stop drinking, which all of his books take that approach. And I, I didn't realize at the time, but that I think plays really well into talking about, you know, the ecosystem that gets created in for the game to exist. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. So that I also think it's very interesting that people do get addicted to, do you think people can get addicted to games as well? Like, or is that the addiction yes. itself? Yes. I think, I think people do get addicted to games. Well, yeah. So one, one category in the, in this book is life games, which is games people play over the course of their life. Um, so alcoholic is one, one such game, but another is uh debtor, which is essentially, there's a couple of variants of it, but it's essentially I'm going to accrue debt and my game is see if you can collect. Woof. <laughs> um, you know, and, and of course games much like shenanigans often beget other games. Um, you know, like they're, I don't want to go too far on the, on the subject of games. Cause we might actually do this as a main topic at some point, but often, uh, a failure to properly resolve one game will just turn into another game. Hmm. So taking it back to the higher level, then just concerning uh, enabling behavior. Um, do you think that enabling comes about as a natural, like, is there like a, nat- a natural cause that makes people want to enable other people um, that, is maybe not selfish because I, I hear it said a lot that i just want to help you know or you know they did it with i think well I, th- I think that's exactly the thing i think that most enablers like the, the the real potent enablers are not trying to be enablers that that's what makes them uh so potent is that they genuinely believe that they are doing something good for the person and not not realizing uh the the actual consequences of their and in, their involvement in the situation yeah, because I think the reason I actually put this topic in the stack originally is um, my wife and I, we have a we had a ritual for a long time where every Sunday we would sit down and watch my 600 pound life. And it was a good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it, it's we know it's garbage TV, but we love our garbage TV sometimes. Sure. For our lazy Everyone days. has guilty pleasures. Yes. Um, and it's also fun to do that while also eating a meal. So, yes. <laughs> um, especially if it's junk food, especially junk food. Yes. <laughs> but it's also a helpful reminder because that's essentially what is going on. Like the, the doctor in the show who helps try to facilitate these, the weight loss of these extremely overweight people. Uh, one of his first steps is always identifying the enablers because no one, especially some of the cases where these people are approaching five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds, they are literally not able to feed themselves that much. They just can't. Someone has to bring it to them mm-hmm. to keep them at that weight. Because he, he makes the point, like, you'd have to be eating 20, 30,000 calories a day to just maintain right. this weight. You can't do it by yourself. It's no, that's physically difficult. Possible. Yeah. Yes, that's work. And you clearly don't work. <laughs> like, you know, so who's bringing it to you? You know, and he points those people out and calls them out straight for what they're doing. And in a way, he's just putting an immediate stop to the game by calling out the people who are enablers outright. You can't hide behind the label of enabler anymore. You know, I- I'm labeling you as an enabler. As opposed to a 
a rescuer. Exactly. I'm calling you what you are. And it's, it's very interesting to hear the justifications people give and the excuses for that behavior. You know, um, people will often, you know, and people have different reactions, you know, different go-to strategies. Some people will just straight up deny it. Like, well, I don't do that. And they either just don't realize how much they're doing it or they're that, guilty that's, about that's it. one of the things that's one of the things about games we're going to spend a lot of time talking about games i can tell yes um new but, series on games um <laughs> but th- that that's the thing about games like th- these are not games that people uh intentionally partake in for for fun like a, like think about it the concept of a game called alcoholic this is not a fun game um the, the, the thing that causes these things to emerge is how subconscious they are. You don't realize that you're taking part in a game. And that's why it takes someone like a psychologist to come along and say, ah, I've seen this pattern before. You're actually involved in a game right now. Yeah. And we call it a game just as a way to kind of outline the structure of what's going on as well. Right. You know, and maybe make it a little less of a, you know, plays yeah, better. <laughs> it, we call it a game because it has rules and structure. Yeah. Yes. Um, and a goal. Exactly. There is a goal, even if you don't realize what your goal is. Right. Um, and with enabling specifically, once you get people to finally admit that they're the enabler, they still have excuses often. Yes. And the excuses are, well... Yeah, because no one likes to admit that they were behaving badly. Right. Like, even the most, yeah, I, I enabled this person to do that. I'm aware of that. And, but they still will give reasons, like, but, but when they cry or when they insert behavior yeah. that i don't like and either causes me distress or be it i feel empathetic pain or i i just find it annoying when they bo- like because some people i'm going back to the my 600 pound life analogy because sure. i think it's a wonderful piece of tv um uh, in one case it when it was a father-son dynamic the father just wanted his son to shut up like he you know he's this is a common thing where where uh, yeah parental enabling is a is a big thing i think yeah um but in this case it wasn't i feel bad for you it's you're 30 you still live at home and you're annoying and you won't get out of my house but i can't bring myself to force you out because the mom's out of the picture so i just want you to stay in your room and be quiet and let me live my life. And so the way to do that is order you a pizza and that'll shut you up for another hour or so. You know, that that's one excuse where he's like, he just pesters me for it until I give it to him. And I just can't be bothered to deal with the pestering. Right. And then on the flip, and this is a mother daughter combination. So, you know, family dynamics be different, but relationships I think are also interesting to view in this behavior. It's outside of the enabling. I think uh, it's, well, she's sad, you know, she's depressed or whatever. And this is the, when she eats when she's eating it's the only time she smiles and talks to me and, and i and she gets that reward of feeling like a good mother temporarily while her daughter's stuffing her face and killing herself you know yeah. with food and it's hard because it's a part of it also i think might be the delayed or is, is it delayed gratification or deferred gratification yeah that's that's a hard sell for some people to say well just just you need to be miserable right now so that you can really be healthy later and and fulfilled. Exactly. And so that, I think, might feed into it a little bit as well, even on the behalf of the enabler, which is really interesting. Because normally you think about that in the case of the person who's in the center of the game, who's the alcoholic or the food-addicted right, person. Right, but no, this is a case where, yeah, 
not not it's not just the alcoholic who is getting the the psychological payoff from from playing the game it's also the rescuer hence aa being an addiction in, uh, of its own right and of the uh the patsy which is the mother in this case right um yeah they they also get immediate uh psychological uh payoff from participating um yeah if if, if your child is miserable and you can make them feel better for just a moment, that's going to make you feel better too. Um, and so, yes, you have to, you need to defer your own gratification so that you can get them to defer their own gratification and actually help themselves. Right. Now, I don't think that this behavior of enabling is always necessarily uh, unintentional or subconscious i do think it does happen in the the conscious and that's why i brought up the term i pulled up on the screen um but i wanted to see if you think this is a also enabling or if it's a different thing and the word i pulled up is a sycophant um and just for the definition's sake a sycophant is one who uses obsequious compliments to gain self-serving favor or advantage from another or a servile servile flatterer i think that's the best one um the second definition is a little, I think, misses the obsequious compliments part. Or, sure. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and just to, to give my example before we go into it too much, you often hear this applied when you, the, the place I see this a lot is looking at people who are perhaps famous or well-known and have a lot of influence and power. Um, and because of that, they, they you know, they feel somewhat isolated, but they can, and, and they just want to do whatever they want to do, but they essentially get surrounded by yes people who are like, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, everything's positive because they want to be associated in a positive way. And to, if, if it takes enabling that person to, for example, partake in drug use, for example, it's like, oh yeah, you should do hard drugs. That'd be fun. You know, we'd have a good time at this party. Or if the original famous you know, person with the power that they are wanting to leech off of says, I don't, you know, I kind of thinking about this thing, they'll enable, they will enable. Yes, we should continue. definitely do that. That's a great idea. You're a genius. You're a genius. Exactly. <clears throat> Elon Musk. Ooh, <laughs> you calling him out right now? Yes, What's I going am. on? <laughs> you the, think he's surrounded by sycophants? Yes. I think I might be sitting across the table from one of them. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Um, that's a different discussion. <laughs> that's, a, that's a discussion for, uh, for later. But, but anyway, uh, but I think this is a little different. You know, I think they are, most sycophants, I would think, are fully aware of what they're doing. You know, they know that it's, they, they can see it in front of them and it's destroying this person's life. And they don't care. Well, they might care, but they care more about their personal gain. You know, or, you know, as long as I can't with this person, they pay for expensive stuff for me to do. Or it's an experience or a ride. Yeah. And they'll destroy their life in the process, but I'll get a good life out of it. Yep. And that's, yeah, the ethics of that aside, you know, um, it's it's still enabling, but it's conscious enabling. Uh, do you think that's in what ways is that kind of different when uh, than the subconscious enabling, like a mother or a father, you know? Well, yeah, I think I think the the distinction here is exactly that it is it is conscious enabling. I think that that turns it into an ethical concern. Um, you know. You, I, I, I don't think you can really blame somebody for doing something they don't realize they're doing. Now, the the appropriate action here in that case is to inform that person that they're doing something 
um, that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and then basically, basically you turn it into an unethical, or turn it, turn their behavior unethical and get them to change if they have any sense of, of, uh, ethical responsibility. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that intentionally enabling somebody for personal short-term or long-term gratification is sinister um let's see there was a there was a fancy word that i was trying to think of but whatever yeah now can is this the same game as enabling with the sub with a subconscious enabler or could it be made could it be viewed through the lens of a game do you think this form of enabling um because the two ways that i think you might be able to is one the person just we'll bring back our agent of chaos for for a second they love seeing things burn for other people and the more powerful and influential the person the bigger the fire you know and they also benefit and so they get a payoff for the not they get more than just the physical actual payoff of like whatever the benefits of the monetary the things that are real world but they might get a psychological payoff from watching this person drop down the lane or the sycophant in this case is maybe just a subset of the, uh, the Patsy or excuser. They're just doing it because they want this person to do whatever they want to do, but they also does the fact that they're benefiting from it. Does that matter when it comes to looking at enabling through the lens of the game? The lens of the game, I don't think that matters. Because I think you could make the argument that oftentimes the Patsy might benefit. You know, in the case of the mother specifically, mothers who can't let go of their children. Yeah. You know, they they like be feeling like. Yeah, I think necessary. I think that if someone is is reaping physical rewards from participating in a game, that might make it harder for them to. Uh, uh, break out of the game you know obviously they now have an they they have yet another incentive to remain part of the game um so sure well and the reason i even brought it up is often the cure for this type of interaction or dynamic is very similar to the cure for a typical game being played expose it to sunlight call it for what it is you know if, if you know somebody who's making it big in the world and someone's riding their coattails essentially by being a sycophant if you call it out for what it is yeah a lot of people especially the people who are the subject of the sycophant, sycophantry sycophantry well it's <laughs> sycophantism i guess i don't know um they they immediately like flip on that they they hate it you know yeah that's often the response you give is like oh you know they 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 detest it because they realize they might be taken advantage of. Yes. Um, and that's one of the few things that if you're a knowing sycophant, you absolutely don't want to happen is someone to call you that and call well, you. Yeah, out it's shameful. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's absolutely shameful. And it's, it's a pretty simple cure for that kind of dynamic just to call it what it is. Yeah. Um, in a, in a similar way in the game, if you would just call the enabler, the enabler, the excuses to defend that position become a lot weaker if they're viewed through the lens of this is a game as opposed to I'm a caring person, I'm a caring ex, I'm a rescuer, I'm a caring, yes. you know, I'm a mother and it's fine or whatever. Those don't sound as good when you're 
already have labeled them an enabler and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to bring that up because I didn't know if it mattered, you know, if you benefited or not, or obviously it matters if you benefit or not, just to what degree it fits. And the same way with, um, whether you're consciously doing it or not, you know, obviously I think within the context of looking at it as a game, it, it, the game looking at it through the game, it mainly looks for psychological payoff as the reward system or the reward function for the game to put it in maybe more gamey terms. Sure. But I don't know. So are there other aspects of the, just the enabler abstract concept that, beyond the alcoholic or beyond you know sycophantism that you might see i i you know i think there are plenty of examples of this type of behavior out there you know um but are there any that do you think occur well they all occur naturally but any that occur with a positive outcome because uh looking at your uh, i'm referring to the article that you referred me to uh, on the degrees of games uh, and looking at it, uh, just to read these out, a first degree game is one in, is one which is socially acceptable in the agent circle. Uh, the second degree game is one from which no permanent irremediable damage arises, but which the players would rather conceal from the public. And a third degree game is one that is played for keeps and which ends in surgery, the quarter of the morgue. Now to me, I, I kind of just reading it the first time, and thinking about sycophantry, it looks like this is a progression path, right? Yeah. That's the way I look at it. It can start as a first degree game in which, it, like if I were yes, you. A lot of games can be escalated in, in degree. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I guess what I'm looking for is, are there games that involve enabling that stay in that first degree and that, I don't know, maybe even yield positive consequences? Or do you think that all games d- derive negative consequences? Um, so, games tend to yield negative consequences. Um, they, they're, they're a symptom of an unhealthy relationship. Um, there, there are things that are very similar to games, which can have neutral or positive uh, uh outcomes so th- this is this goes into the broader field of transactional analysis not just game analysis um and this is talked about a little bit in the beginning of the book and, and eric Byrne also wrote a book uh, prior to this on transactional analysis in general that i have not read um but this other type of thing that you might be talking about uh or one one type of thing like this is a pastime um where you where all the participants can get uh some sort of psychological payoff um and there's really no negative consequences. So like one, one really uh, uh, familiar example of a pastime uh, he calls General Motors, which is where people stand around and compare different cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, still, it still takes that, that same like structured form like, oh, oh, you know, I think this is better. Oh, no, I think this is better. And it's, it's completely benign, but people are still getting their, uh, um, their psychological benefits from their social interaction. What about if we narrow it back down to enabling, though? Like, for example, when we looked at the definition of enabling, there was a positive and a negative, right? Um, well, that was that was really just two different senses of the same word. But they, I don't think that the positive sense of enabling there is just like a a 
different circumstance of the negative case. I think it's it's just saying that here in this field, we use the same word to mean these two different things. So there's there's the the negative sense we've talked about is where you're you're like fueling a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have this this destructive thing, and I, I just keep giving it ammunition, um, as opposed to the the positive sense of enabling, which which is closer to the literal sense, the literal definition of enabling, which is elevating someone from helplessness to power. Um, I'm, and that, that I think that's why I think that the, the alternate word suggested by the, uh, the article was, was more apt empowerment. Right. Um, so no, I don't think that, that that's necessarily related. Okay. So for the, for it to be a game and, in our case of looking at enabling, we're, we're looking at the negative case. It has to, does it have to do with the outcome that makes it negative or is it the downward cycle? Even like, say for example, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to actually go in any direction. For instance, like if we're, if we're still talking about the, the game, like games don't have to escalate from first degree to second degree or farther. Um, it, it this mostly depends on the personalities and the indiv- individuals participating. Um, as to whether whether the game can can escalate, um, there are people who play, you know, games like Alcoholic or Debtor for their entire lives and don't really see any really negative consequences from it. Right. Um. Because I'm trying to look at it. You know, I'm trying not to conflate the positive use of the word enabling with the negative necessarily and looking at the, the lens of a game, but like I can see like did, for a game to be played, you need to have the players then, right? Like, yes, the roles must be filled. Okay. Cause I think that's what I was really looking for because to me it was kind of hard to separate like, okay, take for example, an overbearing parent mm-hmm. that they make opportunities available for their children and, and provide them avenues in which to succeed right like they put them in good schools they encourage behaviors like studying and cleanliness and all these other good qualities and they and even that person who's enabling i'm using that word here even though it could easily be the word empowerment you know they're they're providing all of these things and they are reaping a psychological benefit from it. Like if, if you're a parent that cares about your child and wants to see them succeed in a long-term sense, then you would benefit psychologically from this. Um, and the trajectory is just upward. Now it's, it's also considered socially acceptable to do this. Right. Um, obviously. Yeah, obviously. So I don't know if, uh, I guess, I guess maybe I can conceive of some cultures which would frown upon, so-called progress and success but (laughs) well i mean maybe if you lived in like you know spartan culture where success was i'm going to put every opposition against you and you still have to overcome it as opposed to i'm going to provide for you every opportunity to succeed and help you maybe but i think in the most common case today we would say that yeah no one looks at that hey yeah i'm encouraging my we want to to see people elevate themselves and achieve great things yeah right um so, like, looking at that dynamic, it checks the first box, because if it, if it is a game, it would be a first-degree game, because it's socially acceptable in that circle, and even in the slightly higher circle above uh-huh. that. Um, 
I think the only person you're missing in the game is the persecutor necessarily because if no one's calling it out for what it is bear in mind like like this this could be this could be a game and not necessarily be a game of alcoholic no you have to have the persecutor for it to be a game of alcoholic but it could be a different game okay yeah not not all games have the five roles that i gave for alcoholic oh okay see that that was my i thought the alcoholism was just an example of the five roles this is a type of game gotcha okay that's helpful because yes. that, that Diff- different games have bit. different roles and different rules and different structures. Yep. Right. Um, so back to the positive case and you would have say the, the child or the offspring and they're the one who's being directly affected. And the, the direct enabler is the person who was like the tutor or the teacher or the coach or whatever, like these people that the, the enabling parent is bringing in to provide those things or mm-hmm. putting that person in those arenas to interact directly with their enablers in the same way that if you were the worst kind of enabler for an alcoholic, taking them to a bar and putting them in front of a bartender is kind of a similar, I guess, correlation. And then you have the parent who's deriving psychological payoff from delivering all of these things and supporting these behaviors and even potentially, um, discouraging some behaviors even if even in an in an in honest way like for example telling your you know i it, we're getting into the subjective realm think, of what's think, positive or yeah negative. i think i think we're i think you're venturing into like psychological manipulation maybe i don't know uh like i i don't i don't see i don't see a game-like structure in this i think i think one of the defining characteristics of games is ulterior motives um i think that the the good parent I'll, I'll call them uh in this case is is not like yes they're getting psychological payoff um and, and in a very real physical sense they're doing this to get the psychological payoff but i don't know i i think that i think there's there's something missing from the picture that i maybe am not equipped to articulate very well um where it's like they're not using their child to get these psychological benefits like they are actually they're deriving the psychological benefits from the parents actions of making the right the parent is doing work and reaping rewards from their work essentially um yeah like they, they have some goal to raise a successful child and so then they they put forth effort and resources toward this and achieve the goal that's not very game like but if I change one factor to be the parent wants to be in control of their child as opposed to like they want them to do well, but they but they want them to do well their way, perhaps like what they're actually deriving is I'm asserting control over someone else to make them do it my way. And my way just so happens to be also beneficial, but I'm not deriving benefit. I'm, I'm not deriving the psychological benefit from the fact that my child's succeeding, I'm deriving the psychological benefit from being Think of it this way. Okay. Let me, so there, there is a game that's, that's in this book. Also, I I will say there are more games out there than are documented in this book, obviously. Sure. Um, but so one of the games that this sort of like the, the, the the second situation you described sort of runs parallel to this. I think this is a case in which it can, in which empowering a child might turn into a game. Um, 
suppose that uh, the parent has some sort of like psychological fear of abandonment or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so the ulterior motive for empowering their child is to foster gratitude from that child. Um, and so this can turn into a game of look how hard I've been trying mm. um, in which, you know, like maybe the, the parents has, you know, some sort of uh, they, they fail in some way. And, uh, and let's say that the child is now has, has grown to be an adult and is in a position to leave. Um, the, the parent might do something that causes a, uh, uh, an, an incident where the child then decides they want to leave the parent can then reveal how much, you know, or, or draw attention to how much work they've done to empower the child and say, but look, look at all this effort that I've put into trying to, to make this as best as I can. Um, you're now a bad person for abandoning me after I've tried this hard. Sure. That, that turns into a game. Right. And I think you could even take that and flip it outward where, and I think you see this more often in the case of single parents, but trying to justify their actions, trying to justify their state of existing as a single parent and using the, it's look at how hard I work. It's so hard to get essentially psychological benefit, the benefit and payoff of other people giving you praise or whatever for doing something that's, you know, that's another thing. But like, uh, I'll table that one for now, but I think that's a whole other thing we need to talk about at some point. Um, but essentially saying like, I'm using my child to prove that I can be a good single parent. Regardless, like, yes, it somewhat correlates with their success, but even if it doesn't, you can flip it and say to other people, it's like, well, it was because you can make excuses there and you can even leverage that situation for help and then start being enabled to do that if you start receiving benefits you know, for struggling, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's kind of where I was going to is people being enabled to continually struggle because they feel better being told they do a hard thing than actually the benefit they get from the result of that air quotes yeah. hard work, you know, and I think that's a whole other thing that, that we might want to dig into at another time because yeah. I think that's there's there's a lot of cultural elements to that one that I think would be interesting to kind of look into. So I'm glad we went down that avenue. I, I mean, I'm glad you cleared it up too because I'm not going to lie to you. I was I was very con concerned for a minute that I didn't fully understand, and I'm glad you pointed out the the five players you needed for the no that's just what's needed for a game of alcoholic oh, okay yes, yes. so <laughs> and i think at some point you're right we should absolutely step back and look at building a game like it's obviously we're we're not creating these environments we're we're outlining the patterns and defining it in the terms of this game theory almost if you will yeah I, game I analysis game analysis you don't want to use the term game theory that's another thing yeah so yeah, looking at it through the lens of game analysis. So, um, I don't know that now are the enabler players for the alcoholism enabler different in than in other scenarios in which. Yes. Okay. Because because I think most people would look at it as enabler as a single person. Like we, it's a very oversimplified way of looking at it. But it's either you you find a person. I think I think one one of the one of the things 
that uh, that this book tends to go on about. Uh, he doesn't say it in the, in these explicit terms, but the picture is painted. There, like, so in the case of alcoholic, there's of course the overt enabler, the bartender, or the person running the liquor store, or whatever. Um, but everyone in the game, except for the agent, is an enabler. Anyone who participates in the game is perpetuating the game. They're mm. all enablers. Is this the case for every game? I think so. So maybe enablers was a good place to start. Then I'm glad I, that's yeah. interesting to think about. I, I I didn't really put that together while reading it, but it's it's making more sense to me now that yeah, and and so th- this book is written for, in the context of a of psychiatric practice. And so it's it's essentially it's an, it's not really like a thorough instruction manual, but it it provides uh, what it calls antitheses to the games, which the psychiatrist is supposed to employ to avoid joining the game, mm. because often psychiatric sessions can actually become part of the game. Yeah, you can either end up playing a game of courtroom, or uh, a lot of. Uh, especially this is especially common in uh, marital games because couples will go to see a psychiatrist for uh, uh, marital counseling. And so you have to avoid as a psychiatrist playing into who the agent's game um, because they may be trying to get you to say something or reaffirm their behavior. And, and then you've, you've then utterly failed. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the 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 object the object of this is to avoid joining the game because the moment you become part of the game, you're now enabling the very thing that you've been hired to eliminate. Right, and I think it makes sense that from the lens, like if you, if you view it in, as a hub and spoke model, the the agents, the hub, and then the spokes or the enablers, it would make sense that all enablers that are true enablers, I I think, and not to to avoid the fallacy here, all true enablers, you know. Yeah. Um, but for these games to, you know, perpetuate, they need to feed back in, in some way. Right. And so by the nature of the game continuing, and if it's a, if it's a true game, it tries to be self-sustaining, I would think, or maybe that's That's not not necessarily true. Uh, some games can resolve, some games can resolve rather quickly. Um, well, so there might be like a, a larger, like meta game of, people intentionally putting themselves into situations to restart the game. Um, but some games do indeed come to a, a resolution naturally. True. Um, I would though maybe think that those are some of the, maybe the more benign games, just my ignorant opinion looking at it. Or that's my first thought perhaps, but the games that we want to talk about like alcoholism, right. As a game, yeah, things like that. That's not one of those games that resolves quickly. And usually, the longer that game is played, especially looking at these second and third degree games, yeah, they end because they they end in a bad place because the game escalates and it's a feedback loop and a yeah. downward spiral. Right. Well, in order for it to continue being played over the course of a significant period of time, these enablers would. W- they may not want to, but they are feeding back into the cycle to allow themselves to continue to be enablers. And the reason they do that is because of the continual psychological payoff, uh, especially even if it's on a short cycle. You know, 
if you view it in that model where it's like, well, I need to do something like if you viewed it as, as if you were to program it up, I guess the reward function would provide enough reward to keep the enabler interested in playing the game, but also not good enough that they can feel satisfied to leave the game, but also not little enough that you don't even bother playing either. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a sweet spot that can be optimized for where you get just enough of a trickle to feed back into the game to get that trickle back out. And I think that's going to be interesting to look at and why these enablers keep playing these, if you look at it through this model, why they keep playing the game uh, and what this, what amount that is that kind of drags that game to perpetuate into the worst possible place. Mm -hmm. And so um, that I think that's interesting is that, you know, most enablers do benefit and that makes sense now thinking about this way otherwise why would they not why would they keep playing the game you know and uh i think it'll be really interesting in the future to go in and look at other games and start trying to card these enablers as who they are and then also as a part of that analysis find out what the reward function is and you know ultimately find the pen ultimately find the cure for the game and, and that's one of these things you said you i i, I think it's a safe assumption to say you you can't exactly be enough it's harder maybe to be an effective solution to resolve the game in a positive way if you're involved in the game right um and so stepping back out and looking at the enablers as they're involved you know because you would think that you would want to maybe pull the game apart. Like if you can remove these players, you can, if the, if the players are critical to maintaining the game, if you can remove these players, not maybe physically, because I think that's also a strategy that could, that happens from time to time. For example, if a person, especially in a person like who's addicted to alcohol or something else, when they get put into an institution, for example, you pull all of the players out of the game physically. Like you actually remove them from the game, even if it's just temporarily. Now those roles might still exist and become almost immediately filled with other people. And then it allows the game to continue. But is there a way in which, you know, you, and, and is that a good strategy to remove enablers from the situation? Or is there like a power void that gets, it gets opened up when that player is removed. That's going to suck someone else. It depends on how hard the player is, the agent. Um, how hard does the agent want to play the game? Uh, you know, some, yeah, yeah, this is very personality dependent. Um, but yes, it is like it, the, the, the way to stop any game, especially a game that can continue in perpetuity is to remove one or more of the necessary components, the roles. Um, it is sometimes hard to avoid someone from uh, to prevent someone from picking up additional roles to complete the game again. Um, but yes, if you can if you can remove a critical component, then the whole thing will collapse. Mm -hmm. And then also, what I guess back to the question is, why deal with enablers? Why not just go directly to the agent and try to resolve the game? But that because then you become a rescuer. Yep. <laughs> um, welcome to the game. Welcome to the game. All right. Um, I think that's actually a good place to leave it, personally. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I think we're going to have to definitely get into this game analysis at some point. I think that'll be interesting. It's fascinating. It, it absolutely sounds fascinating. So, 
Um, I might have to get my own copy of this book and read it along with you so that we can be speaking the same language and not yes. have to spend 30 minutes of an episode of Joe figuring out what, what's going <laughs> what on. What I'm talking <laughs> about. What's going on? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think the dynamic of having one person who's knowledgeable and one person who isn't, you know, take the Brady Huron approach a little bit mm. might be to the better, better benefit of those listening. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe we'll figure out what kind of game we're going to play next time. On uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that. I, I'm 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 actually happy with it, and I don't yes. want to drag it out too long. Yeah. So, you good? Mm-hmm. All right, philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.